Greetings, Tim Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena. We are now on our 12th episode of the Acts series. And today we will be looking at Acts 10, which is the story of Peter and Cornelius. Fantastic story. Now, I look at this message as kind of like part two to the message that uh, we did last week on Saul, uh, Saul's conversion. Uh, so this is kind of like part two of that message because there are going to be sometimes I'm going to refer back to that conversion of Saul. But so consider this as like part two to that message, right? And so the last week we studied the story of Saul's conversion, in other words, Saul's repentance, okay? So this is what we studied last week. Now, if you recall, last week we defined repentance as a change of mind, right? If you remember that, I said that repentance is a change of mind. But I want to add that the word for repentance, which is the word Metan, metan, I'm going to butcher this. It's spelled meta, meta, metana, metanaeo. Hey. Metanaeo, which is a Greek word, which means the Greek word that is used for the word for repentance, actually defines repentance as a change of thinking, right? That leads to a change of living. So meaning that the result of metanaeo, of repentance, is conversion. So, the godly repentance that we're talking about here is the repentance that leads to conversion, okay? A change of thinking that leads to a change of living. And we saw this in Saul's life, right? In the case of him where he had an encounter that changed his mind and changed also his way of living, hence the conversion, right? And so today what I want us to talk about is that conversion comes from God. Conversion comes from God. Now, last week we learned that, you know, resisting God hurts us, right? And that it is not profitable for us. Uh, it's actually, it's hurting us to kick against the gods, if you remember that, that we need to surrender to God. And the thing is that if that message resonated with you to the extent through which you are actually at the place where you actually surrendered to God, what it is that you have been resisting from him, that there is repentance, Okay. That is the repentance that we're talking about here, the metaneo, which leads to you, uh, uh, to, to a life change, right? A repentance that leads to a life change. Are we together? Yes. So you had a change of thinking that led to the action in that this thing is hurting me. I will go ahead and surrender it to God, right? Repentance. Now, I want you to know today that that conviction you had and the willingness to surrender it to, to him actually comes from God. It is his grace at work in you. For the Bible says that it is him who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Conversion comes from God. Now, there are many times, you know, in our lives where we can't let go of things that, you know, that we find it very difficult to let go of certain things, right? There are some things that literally we uh, find difficulty in letting go of. And the truth of the matter is this. In order for you to change certain behaviors, it requires first that you change your thinking. And that change of thinking comes from God. So I want to recap some things from last week because it sets us up for the preamble of what it is that we're going to study today, right? Now, the thing is, is that if you remember from last week, Saul, who's a guy who's deeply passionate and zealous, right, in persecuting the church, right? This guy is just 
super excited. He's, he's, he's zealously persecuting the church because of his great... Um, he was a Pharisee and he was a zealous Pharisee. He was someone who really deeply believed in the law, right? And the way that he saw the church and everything that it was doing and the reason why he was persecuting the church is because he, in his mind, believes that he is destroying a heresy. That there is something that is heretical and he is fighting against it. He thought he was doing God's work. And I think you remember that from last week. This guy was persecuting believers. Then he encounters Jesus, has a change of mind, stops persecuting the church, and instead joins in with the believers in declaring that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. Saul's repentance led to him changing his life. His change of mind led to a change in his life. Are we together? Right? But the thing to understand is that his life change was initiated by God. Jesus came after him. It was through the experience that he had with Jesus, where Jesus revealed himself to him. And not only after that, he was blind for a couple of days. And on those days that he was blind, it says that there was a man that came to pray for him, Ananias, who after he prays for him, it says that it was like scales falling from his eyes. It was like, aha, like it was like, an, it was like that moment of revelation. And it was through this whole experience that God orchestrated from the beginning that Paul was able to experience repentance that led to conversion. Now, one of the things that we recognize over here is obviously the fact that Saul experienced repentance, right? A change of mind that led to a change of living. And what's really interesting is that this was, there's a similar encounter that happens on the day that Jesus dies on the cross. In Matthew 28 and 54, you know, after Jesus has given up his spirit, a lot of things begin to happen. Number one, the veil of the temple is split right in the middle. It's split open, right? From top to bottom, there was an earthquake and tombs were open. And it says in verse 54, now, as for the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the other things that were happening, they became extremely frightened and said, truly, this was the son of God. So this centurion and his soldiers experienced a change of mind. But what we don't know is that we don't know if this change of mind led to a change of living, right? Meaning that this repentance that they experienced a change of thinking, we don't know if it resulted in the fruit of conversion, right? We don't know if that happened. And this is interesting because what we often see is that there are some times where we experience a change of thinking that does not lead to a change of living. And this is why John the Baptist says in Matthew 3 and verse 8 to the guys who are coming to be baptized, he says to them, produce fruit consistent with repentance, right? Because the repentance that comes from a Bible, leads to conversion. True repentance leads to conversion. And this comes from God. Which brings us to Acts 10. On the story of the centurion named Cornelius. This is such a beautiful story. And this is another story of God-initiated conversion. This is God at work scheming and doing things that lead to the conversion of this guy named Cornelius. Now, the thing is, again, this is a really long portion of scripture. And what I want us to be able to do is that I want you at this point in time to pause the video and to go and read Acts chapter 10 
And then thereafter, I want you to go read uh, the whole of chapter 10 and then read chapter 11 from verse 1 to 18. Only go until 18, okay? So remember what I just said? We are going to read. Go ahead and read. You, you must read this before you continue, okay? Go and read Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 from verse 1 to 18. So you can pause the video now and go read. Acts 10 and Acts 11 from verse 1 to 18. Go ahead. All right. Thank you for reading. Right now we can continue. Now, in this story, we read of a centurion named Cornelius. Okay. This guy was a centurion in the Roman army. And the thing is about a centurion, a centurion was a commander of a small unit of soldiers, about a hundred soldiers. So the, in, in terms of the, there was a legion, which was now 6,000. Now within that legion, there were centurions. Within this, the centurion is the guy who was a commander of a hundred soldiers. Okay. Now Cornelius was a Roman centurion and it was, and, and by, by virtue of this, he was considered a Gentile. Now anyone who was not of Jewish origin was considered a Gentile. Okay. Are you together? Yes. Now, Anyone who was not a Gentile, who was not a Jew, was considered a Gentile. And the thing is that it was forbidden for Jews to relate with Gentiles, right? That's why you see in the chapter 11 that you just read from the beginning that you see that there is controversy that arises on account of Peter going to dine and actually spend time with Cornelius and his family. There is conflict that comes up, contention that comes up in the church because of how they say that he went to go and eat and drink with, uncirc with the uncircumcised, right? Which is basically the Gentiles, okay? Now, the thing that the scripture says is that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household and that he made charitable contributions to the poor and that he prayed regularly, all right? And so what happens is that at 3 p.m. one day, Cornelius sees a vision of an angel of God. And the angel says to him, your prayers and your charitable gifts have ascended as a memorial offering before God. And the thing that's amazing about this is that, you know, the thing that's so beautiful about this is that God actually truly sees everything, all the affairs of men, everything that we do for him, he sees it. Right? This man feared God. You know, the thing is, to fear God is to live our lives from God's perspective. That's what it means to fear God. It is to live our life from God's perspective. Cornelius gave generously and prayed regularly. Right? He knew where his bread was buttered. Okay? This man feared God. He lived his life from God's perspective and it was demonstrated in his giving and the fact that he prayed regularly. Right? It was this man's desire to live his life from God's perspective. And this is what caused him to experience a life-changing experience. Right? And so the angel then specifically asked him to go and seek out Peter and ask him to come to him. Now I want us to note this, that the angel specifically asked for Peter, not any other of the disciples, but specifically Peter to come and speak to Cornelius. Right? And his family. And so the next day, what happens is this, is that as Cornelius has this vision, the very next day, Peter himself has a vision. And so Peter, who is a Jew, and according to the law of Moses, there are certain foods that are forbidden to eat. Right? Things that are considered to be unholy or unclean. Okay? Now, here is the thing. In this vision, God specifically presents him 
with this law forbidden food and tells him, eat, eat, Peter. That's what he says to him. He says, go ahead and eat. And this is what uh, Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. All right? And then God tells him, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Are we together? <laughs> now, Peter could have easily concluded that, I'm sure, my guy, this must be the, the, the devil who is, who is uh, telling me such things. How could, how, could the de- how, how, how could God come and tell me to come and uh, consume things that are unholy? But then the thing that happens is that he sees this vision multiple times for him to know that it was God speaking to him. You know, the thing that's so interesting is that oftentimes when we see something, often it's God trying to get our attention. When we see something happening, often it's God trying to get your attention, right? And now what's key here for us to understand about this vision is that it shows us how Peter and Jews in general viewed the Gentiles, right? They were seen as unholy and unclean, right? This is what they had been taught all their lives. This is the thing that they had been taught all their lives, right? But here's the thing. What they didn't know at the time was that the significance of the curtain being split open that we talked about earlier was because by the curtain being split open when Jesus died, it meant that now God, through Jesus, had opened up himself to be accessed by all. Right? That at that moment of his death, that that was the time that the curtain had been split open. God had made welcome that which was previously unwelcome. And so Cornelius, what happens is this, is that he sends men to get Peter. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, you know, make sure you go with these guys. The Holy Spirit is just walking Peter through this whole journey, okay? And so what Peter does is that as he, he, he goes along with these guys and he agrees to go with these guys. But the thing that I want you to make sure that you don't forget is that all these things that are happening based on what you read are all being orchestrated by God, Right? Now, when Peter gets to Cornelius, he acknowledges that the reason why he came is because God told him to come. That, in fact, it's forbidden for him to be there. But because God has told him to come, he's like, here I am. And then after understanding why Cornelius sent for him, right, he then goes ahead to preach the gospel to Cornelius and all those that were gathered in his house. Right? He be- Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. And he speaks to them as though they had already heard about Jesus' life. Right? But then he goes on to say and talk about how he lived and how Jesus lived as a man who was filled with the power of God, doing great miracles. And that Jesus, who had died because they had, this was now a famous story all, all across uh, in terms of the, the, the story of this guy who had died, right? this, this, this great prophet who had died. Right? Who, had been, who had been killed. And so the thing is, is that what Peter begins to tell them is that this Jesus, he died. But the thing is, he is resurrected. That he is resurrected. That on the third day he resurrected. And that through God's power he was risen back to life on the third day. And that he himself, Peter, and many others were witnesses of this. In that they actually sat down and broke bread with Jesus who had resurrected from the dead. And what happens is that he then tells these guys, right, that what Peter tells them is that 
through Jesus Christ, through this Jesus who has died and resurrected, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. And what happens, something remarkable happens, that as soon as Peter says this, the Holy Spirit falls on all those who are listening to him speak. And Peter is stunned. Together with all the different, because Peter came with a, with a squad, right? He wasn't trying to go to no Gentile solo. He went there with a group of other disciples, right? And they are stunned by what they are seeing in front of them, right? That usually what would happen is that they, before, if you read previously, is where you see where people would first receive the message, then they would be baptized, and then the disciples would go and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. This was normally the format that would happen in terms of the conversion, even in terms of the Jews, right? This is before even they started talking to the Gentiles. Remember, the Samaritans were also Jews, right? So this was not like completely out of the ordinary. But for the Gentiles, this was just completely mind-blowing. The fact that for them, it literally happened similar to how it happened to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And these guys are stunned by what they're seeing. He's so amazed that he says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Now, the whole thing that I need you to understand, like I said, is to take note of this. That all this is being designed and orchestrated by God himself. Right? Now, there are many lessons that we can take out from this story, but there are a couple of things that really stood out to me about this story that I want to be able to point out. Right? And the first thing is this is that the only way that we're able to truly experience the indwelling presence of God is through the gospel. Being religious is not enough. Cornelius and his whole, his whole household were very religious. They prayed often. They gave to the poor. This was a God-fearing family. But this was not enough for them to experience the fullness of God. They needed to hear the gospel. They needed to know and believe that Jesus died and rose again and is now Lord over all. And that through him, we receive the forgiveness of sins. It is literally after Peter said that to them. Literally when he said all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, that is when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Literally, Peter or Zim, you're still there ready to just continue to yeah, preach the gospel, right? But the completion of this message, that all they needed to know is that this Jesus who had lived, this great prophet of God, that he died and was resurrected and that Jesus is Lord, that all things have been put under his feet and that through him and through belief in him is the forgiveness of sins. And that was enough because the thing that what happened there is that it is obvious. And in fact, Peter speaks about this again in Acts 15, that these people received the message through faith. That through faith they received this message and the Holy Spirit came upon them. That they now knew that it is through Jesus Christ, the gospel, that it is through Jesus Christ that we experience the forgiveness of sins. This is how 
we get to experience God's indwelling presence in our lives by knowing and believing that through Christ Jesus, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. I love how this is one of my favorite portions of scripture in the whole Bible from Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, where Paul says and puts it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in, if, into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those that are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The thing that is so amazing here is that the Spirit comes, just like Paul said, as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance of redemption, that these guys, that by believing that through Jesus we are forgiven, this is a God-fearing man and his family. You know, the thing, the way that I look at this is kind of like, it's, it's the way that I understand this is like, uh, it's like, you know how you're trying to get into, a, like you're trying to get into like this like really dope club, right? And it's kind of like the thing about how to get into this place is that like literally your name is not on the guest list, but because you're with this guy, because I'm with Jesus, right? That's how I get in. I'm with him. Basically, Jesus comes just like, yo, I'm with him. If you remember the story of um, when Jesus was crucified on the cross and he's next to this, um, both this, 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 this criminals who have also been crucified. And one of them says to him, who, who, who basically is like recognizes who Jesus is and he's just like, yo, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, this very day you will be with me in paradise. Basically, Jesus is just like, bro, when we get there, I'm going to tell these homies you're with me, bro, and you'll get in. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it is through Jesus Christ. It is not because of any religious works that these guys were doing. It had nothing to do with the fact that these guys were giving and were pious and were doing all these things. That the forgiveness of sins comes because of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why. This is the good news of the gospel. That because we're with him, 
Do you get what I'm saying? In fact, the way it works probably is that the heaven is like, actually, it's more like a, a club you're entering and then there's a guest list, right? And Jesus now is just like, yo, he comes and he writes your name on the guest list and you come and just like, yo, me, I'm with Jesus. This is how this thing is, that this is how we receive the forgiveness of our sins. It is because of Jesus Christ. And God literally sends Peter to share this message with Cornelius and his family. Because he's like, what they need to experience me fully is to hear the gospel. The gospel is what they needed to hear. And the thing that is so amazing is this. Just like Saul, just like Cornelius and his family, our conversion is designed and orchestrated by God. Our ability to be able to even just understand the gospel, all this comes from God. That is the most beautiful thing that we read over here that Paul is basically telling us, even in Ephesians, that he's saying this amazing thing that is happening is happening because of him. This is how we are receiving this and being able to understand the gospel. But the gospel is what we need. The good news of the gospel is what we need for redemption. It is not our religious deeds. It is through Jesus Christ how we get in. It is through him. That is how this thing works. Right? But the thing also that is so beautiful is that our conversion is designed and orchestrated by God. This is not by chance that this happens for Cornelius. This is not by chance that how it happened for Paul. Right? And it's the same for us. I remember for myself, like how my conversion happened is that I was attending youth camp. I was uh, at, I'd gone for youth camp. And the reason why I went to that camp is because there's a guy who came and told me who had gone for the camp in the previous year. He's like, my guy, that camp has some hot babes, right? <laughs> so I was just like, hey, yeah, I was like, bruh, our whole camp, I was a teenager at the time. I'm like, a whole camp where there's just like hot babes. I'm like, I'm inside that plan. Yeah, I like this church. Let me go for this. This uh, <laughs> let me go for this. This uh, plan. Little did I know that God was using this to be able. This is literally this guy to lure me <laughs> into going for this camp where I experience and hear the gospel in a way that resonates with me more than any other time before. I'd heard this message, but when I went to this specific camp. This message and the whole experience resonated with me so deeply that this is when I got to go to Jesus and be like, forgive me. And that it is through faith in him that we're able to experience the forgiveness of things. And this conversion comes from God himself. The events that happened for Saul, the events that were happening for Cornelius were all orchestrated by God himself, sending Peter to go and ensure that this guy who fears me, that to tell him that it's not enough, that what you need to hear is the gospel, that you need to know that you are forgiven, that through this Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And this is the reason why, my friends, this is the reason why, for me, the way that I view, and we talked about evangelism, is that the way that I view how we ought to be able to approach this whole idea of how we're able to reach out to others is the fact that we have to pray that the people around us would experience God. That this is how we are able to experience true conversion is that God 
literally, I personally pray that God would set his gaze on certain people that are around me, that he would set his gaze upon them, that they would, that he would prepare them and that he would position them to be able to understand and hear the gospel. That this conversion that I recognize comes from God makes me and causes me to be able to go to him to pray, Lord, would you reveal yourself to this person? That the same way you did for Saul, the same way you did for Cornelius, do for this person, that you would work in them, that they would understand your gospel. And the thing is, is that this is especially relevant for us in this day and age, where so many of us have heard the gospel, so many people have heard the gospel, but they still don't believe it. And this is why the thing that when we understand that conversion comes from God, is that we then begin to get into the place where we pray for those who are around us who do not believe that God would set his gaze upon them, that they would experience God and that they would experience the conversion that comes from him. Amen? Which leads me to the other thing that this story really teaches and has, you know, something that really comes out to me from this story, is that also to realize that there is no person that God is not able to transform. There is no one that's beyond God's reach. God was very specific about telling Cornelius to ask for Peter. Why Peter? Peter was the rock, right? The quote-unquote chief apostle, right? The guy who, when after the day of Pentecost, is the guy who stands up to come and declare the message of the gospel. Right? He was the guy, that, that apostle who Jesus literally said of him in Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now the thing is that Peter who had grown up a Jew still held on to the belief that Gentiles had no part in Christ. They were hopeless. There was no fault of, this was no fault of his by the way. Right? This is what he had been taught all his life. Even while he was with Jesus, they never ventured out to the Gentiles. So now how would he have known that God had a plan for the Gentiles? And the thing is that God orchestrates events to get Peter specifically to have a transformational change in his thinking regarding God's plan for the gospel. Right? Peter too experiences repentance, a change of thinking. And what's key... What's key about this and why it's key that Peter is the one who experiences this is that many of the Jews who were disciples at the time, and you see this in chapter 11, is that their perspective on the Gentiles was deeply rooted in that these are unholy and unclean people, right? And this is why God very specifically ensures that Peter is the one to experience this divine shift in mindset because it would benefit the entire church. If you remember in the previous chapter, this is the chapter which has Saul's conversion, right? God has just converted this guy called Saul and his mandate is literally to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, right? If you remember what we read in Acts 26, 16, 17, where Paul, Paul is saying of himself that, he's that, that Jesus says to him, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles whom I am sending you to. 
to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is what Jesus has said to Saul as his mandate, as the reason why he's calling him. And the thing is that through this experience that Peter has, it means that Paul would have the ability to be able to actually do the thing that God is calling him to do. So then Peter, who is here the kind of chief apostle, literally would not stand in Paul's way. That Peter would not oppose God's plan for the Gentiles. Right? In fact, what happens is you see later in, actually in Acts 15, is where there is actually some beef that's happening within the church where some Jewish Christians come and begin to start teaching the Gentiles that they need to be circumcised in order for them to be able to actually be saved. Right? In order for them to actually be, to experience uh, salvation. And the thing is that this, Paul then goes to the, the, the council in Jerusalem and Peter is there and Peter is the first person who stands up to actually defend Paul and his position in regards to what he is saying about the Gentiles, right? This would not have happened if Peter had not been the one who experienced the conversion that was happening here in Cornelius' house, right? The change of mind that Peter experienced was so pivotal for the church that it even says, is that now all of a sudden that the church began to now go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. That this was so transformational in the thinking of the church that it was important for, pe for Peter to experience this mind shift, this repentance that was orchestrated by God himself. Paul ex Peter experiences a change of mind. Now, this is what it says to me, and this is what it's important for us to realize, just like Peter, is that there is no hopeless case that God cannot redeem. God is able to bring about conversion for anyone. There is no one that is hopeless. There is no one who is out of God's reach. My friends, I cannot tell you how many times God has shown this to me. There are friends who I've had who I looked at and I was just like, my guy, there's no way. I don't know how this guy will ever like get to a place where he'll actually like change, where God can change this guy's life and cause him to like believe in Jesus. I was just like, man, I don't know, man. But the thing that I would do, like I told you before, is that I would still pray for them. I'd go ahead and pray and I'd be like, God, I pray that you would cause this person to experience you. He caused this person to experience transformation. And the thing is, is that, my friends, I'm telling you time and time and time and time again, God has shown me his tremendous ability to transform people's lives around me. I've seen it so many times. So many times that it's become a strategy. Now, it's like any place that God plants me. My first thing is that I look at the guys and I'm telling you, even sometimes deep down inside, I look at some people and I'm just like, honey, God, honey, you're able, like in my mind, I'm just like, this guy for sure, for sure, you're able. It's like the way the Gentile, Peter was like, I, I don't know about these Gentiles, right? Same thing for me that then even till today, there's still some people that I'm just like, but I, st I always remember and God has shown me time and time again, his ability to take the most wayward and, con and 
in my opinion, the most wayward. You know, in the case of Cornelius, Peter didn't know that God was already at work in that man's life. But the thing is, is that like time and time again, God has shown that he is able to redeem those whom from our perspective are irredeemable. He has shown this time and time again that there is no hopeless case. God can transform anybody. Conversion comes from God. The same God that changed you can change anybody. And the thing that I believe for us is for us to realize that in the places that we've been planted, where we are around people who do not believe in God, that the reason why we are there and the reason why God has planted us is important for us to realize more than anything that we have the ability to pray for these people to experience God. And that I pray also that through us, that God would use us to be the agents that would communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That through us and through our lives, like you remember how Jesus said of, 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 of um, Paul, that I want to be able to use you. Remember in Acts 26 where he says, I want to be able to show you things. I want to use you to be a witness of the things that I will do and the things that I will do now and in the future. That I want you to be a witness for these things. And the thing that is so amazing is to realize that literally, and I see this for myself, I have seen this for myself, I am a testimony, I have seen this happening, that God is literally able to transform anyone. And the thing for me is this, is that I commit myself, whatever space that God plants me, is that I can be a vessel that God can use, but more importantly, that I always pray that whoever all these people, and I name them by name, that God, would you go and cause this person to experience you, that they would experience a change of thinking, that they would be like Cornelius, ready and receptive to hear the gospel. Ready and receptive to hear the gospel. And that this, I tell you my friends, is the grace of God at work. Conversion comes from God. Your conversion came from God. Saul's conversion came from God. Cornelius's conversion came from God. Even Peter's change of thinking came from God. And it's important for us now to realize that conversion comes from God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are the active and predominant agent in our transformation. You are the one that changes how we think. You are the one that literally caused us to come to the understanding that we need your grace and mercy in our lives. It is through you that we understood and desired to have the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It was through you that you helped us understand the message of the gospel. It is through you that conversion happens. It is through you that our lives are changed. 
it is through you that the lives of others are changed. Father, may we never lose sight of that. May we never lose sight of the forgiveness that you have given us in Christ Jesus. May we never lose sight of the grace, the overwhelming grace that you have poured towards us that allows us to understand and to live every day knowing that we are forgiven. That every day we can wake up and remind ourselves that because we have put our faith in your name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven. That we move as those who are forgiven. That we love as those who are forgiven. That we hope as those who are forgiven that we work as those who have been forgiven, that you have showered us with tremendous love, grace, and mercy in Christ Jesus. And this is all from you. Father, we ask in Jesus' holy name that you would do the same for those who are around us, that you, O King of heaven, would use us to be able to extend the message of your, of your kingdom and the message of your gospel. But Father, we ask that you would begin to work in those around us, Conversion comes from you. We ask in Jesus' holy name that you would work in those around us because we know that it is your word that says that you desire that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of your saving grace. And so we say, Father, have mercy on those around us and cause them to understand your word. Cause them, Father, to experience you that they, may un they, that they may experience the repentance that leads to life, that they would experience the conversion that comes from you. And I pray that we would be ready at any given time to be used of you, to be vessels through which we can communicate the message of your gospel and that their hearts would be ready to receive it because you are able to do this. We thank you, we honor you for this great privilege that we can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for whom we have received the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible and then make sure that you subscribe sawa subscribe subscribe wherever the button subscribe subscribe god bless you guys